Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, big day, very exciting. We have Jared Irondu, the head of design at Lattice. So he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Jared, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. I'm so happy to chat with you. We've never talked before. This is huge. We have not. This is the first time. Yeah, this is awesome. Good. I'm so glad. You ready to dive in? I am. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Main Street. Every day when I log onto Twitter, I'm greeted by Nick Abuzade's smiling face besides a promoted tweet about Main Street asking me if I am a seed stage startup. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, but you might be. So founders, here's the deal. You're owed more than $50,000 in tax credits from the government, seriously. And Main Street can get it back for you in 20 minutes. The truth is that the first 30 to 50,000 times I saw ads for Main Street, I thought it sounded too good to be true. But then Nick gave me the rundown. The US government annually sets aside $100 billion for startups. Main Street connects directly into your payroll system to find which of those credits and incentives apply to your business. Then they'll advance you on the cash you're owed in real time at 0% interest. Oh, and 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash non-technical. Okay, so for our listeners, I'm gonna give you a little context on Jared's professional background. Jared Avrandu is design leader, investor, and advisor. He's currently the head of design at Lattice, where they're building people-first HR software to make the time we spend at work more meaningful. He's also the co-creator of Playbook and High Resolution, two projects dedicated to furthering knowledge sharing in the design community. Jared, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you on. I follow you on Twitter. I've seen your tweets, like the tweets, had to have you on the pod, very excited. And I know that you're coming to me from New York today. What's the vibe in New York? I am. I mean, it's it's actually pretty nice today. It's sunny after, I think, like a couple days of just like rain and sun, rain and mm-hmm. sun. I think it's in that weird period of time where it's trying to decide whether it's spring or not. Right. You know? Right. Oh, always. So it's kind of like a flip of a coin, but today's a good day. This is a dangerous time, though, because New York can really get you when it pretends exactly. that it's spring and then you roll out of the house in shorts and then you get hit with a massive cold front. Yeah. But I feel like SF has trained me to never trust the weather. Love that. Yes. Yes. Trust no one. Yeah. Yeah. You always have a jacket with you. So New York, I'll just, I'll just have a raincoat. Okay. So you're, you were ready for New York in the spring. You were prepared. Yeah. Yes. Good. Jared, how did you spend your last day off? That's a good question. So my partner and I went up state in New York to this area called Amenia or Amania, New York. It's like near the Connecticut (laughs) state line. That's actually right where I'm from. I'm from Connecticut. Seriously? Yeah. Is it Amania? Aminia. Aminia. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So there's this place called Troutbeck, this like bed and breakfasty kind of yeah. like massive estate mm-hmm. with like tennis and like a spa and all this different stuff. So we went up there for her birthday and it was incredible. It was just like incredible food, yeah. a very, very nice room. The restaurants in the building, cigar rooms and like pool mm-hmm. room, and they all mm-hmm. have these different vibes. So it was just very quaint relaxing and all that stuff. Yes. So that's how I spent my last break. And you're a fan of exploring new restaurants. When you pick a destination for a weekend trip like that, do you think restaurant first and then you work backwards from there? Or how does that play into your planning? That's a good question. They do go hand in hand because like if I see a place with a nice restaurant, 
mm-hmm. but no nice place to stay, then it's ruled mm-hmm. out. And then the inverse is true okay. as well. Yeah. So they kind of like go together. So we're really just looking for places that have both. Yeah. You can't have one and not have the other. Exactly. Exactly. For this place, like seeing the area and seeing all the nice things it had to offer. And then the fact that it had an incredible restaurant, which also go. happened yes. to be physically yes. in the building. I'm like, right. proximity yeah. location was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you were in Amenia, New York of all places. That is so funny. The town that I'm from yeah. Connecticut is 25, 30 minutes from there. Got it. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. I'll definitely be back up. I want to like see it every season. Like I have, yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I really love snow. <laughs> I think I also really love snow. I'm like that too. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with us. Yes. Yeah. We're okay. Perfect. 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 Or maybe it's just the two of us, but um, I really want to see that area during the snow, like during like winter time. So definitely want to go back up. Yes. And you have to go during fall and see the foliage. Yeah. Yep. Foliage game in upstate New York in Connecticut is very strong. Big fan. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. That was actually the first time I've been to upstate New York. Like I've been to Niagara Falls, but that's really a destination. Oh, yeah. That's like way, way, way upstate. That's like Canada. Now, have you ever been known as the something person, like the math girl in high school or the Mm. soccer person? (laughs) You could tell how many sports I played. Ah, the soccer person. Two things come to mind. So when I was in, uh, I think, elementary or middle school, I think it was elementary school, I was known as a left-handed kid. Really? Which I know statistically <sighs> they're supposed to be like, you know, one in 10 or whatever. For three consecutive grades, I was the only left-hander. Okay. And we we had those desks where it's just entirely for the right-hander, where like you have the place where you oh, can like, rest your arm about. as you write, yep. right? Yep. And like me as a left-hander, like my arms just always kind of like, you know, leaning off the side. So I almost feel like I overdeveloped totally. my, my left arm, you know? <laughs> you have a very strong left arm. <laughs> yeah, I was just that kid for like three grades. So I, I was born in New York, spent some time in New York and Sweden and Trinidad, South America area growing up. But by the time I got to high school, I was fully situated in Maryland. Mm. And Maryland, when it comes to post high school or post college careers, a lot of it is like in medicine, nursing, teaching, IT, things like that. And I had already started developing a passion for tech. So when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I turned into that kid, right? Like the tech kid, okay, you know, the one who yes. read the tech blogs and like who would most likely have the latest iPhone if he could figure out how to buy it and all that yeah. stuff. So people would come to me with like their tech problems. And, you know, there are people who like that. There are people who don't like it. I personally didn't because mm-hmm. I'm like, I liked technology, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be people's tech repair person. You yeah, know? But that was basically me for like a few years in high school. Wow. So much to unpack. First of all, I love left-handed people and I can't explain (laughs) why. (laughs) And it's not that I seek out left-handed people knowing, oh, that person's left-handed. It's more like when I meet someone and I get to know them and I learn they're left-handed, I'm always like, oh, that makes sense because I like them so much. I don't know what it is. Have you found in your life that people who are left-handed are more likely to be creative? That's what I've heard. I, I'm not sure because I know I have a crazy, crazy bias because I'm a designer. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like if I see a designer who's left-handed, it could be confirmation bias for me. Mm-hmm. But I would say that there is a disproportionate number of designers, at least who I've met, who are left-handers, right? So like if the stat is one in 10, yeah. it doesn't feel like one in 10 for me. It feels like one in three or one in four, you know? So... Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, I know there's a lot of like, you know, science speculation, but maybe it's true. I am so jealous. I just always wanted to be left-handed, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I just thought, ooh, that would be so cool. (laughs) That's funny. So my brother 
is right-handed. Career-wise, he's definitely the opposite of me. He's more like, you know, business and intelligence and stuff like that. But as far as foundational creativity skills, he is an incredible drawer. Whereas I can't draw to save my life. My drawings are stick figures. He can like draw you like exactly as you are, right? So I'm like, you're right-handed. I'm left-handed. You went Mm. into intelligence. I went into design, you know, but you can draw and I can't, you know? So it's it's pretty interesting. Well, I'm glad that he's holding down the fort for us right-handed people, the unlucky ones who are not born left-handed. I'm glad he's doing the work for our reputation. You also mentioned that you grew up in a lot of different places. What took you to all, you said Sweden. Did you say also Trinidad and South America and then ultimately Maryland? Yeah. Yeah. So my mother is Trinidadian. Trinidad's very, very close to Venezuela. It's almost like going from Brooklyn to New York. That's literally how- Oh my God, really? Wow, I never knew. A little bit wider, but they're they're pretty close. Like you can see each country from from each country. No way. They actually used to be connected. And then they like, the landmass broke apart probably like half a millennia ago. No way. Wow. And then my father is Nigerian, but he grew up and went to school in Sweden. Mm. So my mom was on vacation in Sweden, met my father there. They started dating. She got, they got married there. I actually would have been born there, but my mom was back in the U.S. when I happened to pop out. And my father still lived in Sweden. So we went back to Sweden um, and spent some time there. Eventually he moved to the U.S. Mm. for the first time. And we all came, my brother and my mom, my father and I. And then we were in New York and then moved to Maryland eventually. So basically by the time I was 10, I had lived in three continents with three completely different cultures and, you know, three different languages and all that stuff. So it was very interesting. That's a really interesting way to grow up. And then you ended up in Maryland. And my Maryland question for you is what is your favorite classic Maryland snack or food? Because there's a lot of really specific food in Maryland. Yeah. I really like Old Bay seasoning. Literally, I was like, it's got to be Old Bay seasoning, right? Like that stuff is good on everything. And on anything. Yeah. I've even heard it's good on vanilla ice cream. (gasps) Oh! I've never tried that. I think, wait, would I do that? Me neither. You've never done it? I've never done it. The Jared of today would try that. The Jared of 10 years ago would not. I just had this clear separation of like savory and sweet. Now I'm a little bit more eclectic. So maybe now the lines are blurring. (laughs) Really evolving as an adult. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of curious about that. All right. Filing that one away. I love Old Bay on French fries. That's the move. Yes. Yes. Perfect. That's the perfect one. Wow. So, and then you were kind of the tech kid, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is something that I I find in a lot of people who end up working in tech. It was something they were kind of passionate about earlier. I uh, relate to being the IT person. I'm definitely the IT person in my family. It's like being kind of outrageous. It's like I show up here after a couple months and there's a freaking JIRA backlog of stuff that I have to fix at the house. And I'm just like, what do you do when I'm not (laughs) here? Exactly. They're like, we triage. This is your P0. Yeah. These are your P1s. Yeah. Seriously, it's ridiculous. Are you still anybody's IT person in your life right now? Yeah, I'm, I still do it a little bit for my my parents. My dad's actually pretty tech savvy. So mm-hmm. he figures stuff out and he's, he's self-sufficient. So he'll Google and all okay, that. We love that. My mom a little less so. She okay. asks me instead of my dad. And then mm. sometimes I'm like, well, you could ask dad this. Like, I'm, I'm actually yeah. sure he can figure this out. Yeah. Or at least we know that he'll Google it, which is the first line of defense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then a little bit my brother at times. I'm definitely more on the tech side than he is. I guess it's just my nuclear family now. Extended family, like aunts, uncles and all that stuff. A lot less so. It might just be because I don't see them as often. Or maybe they shifted that job wreck onto their kids or their grandkids. Yeah. That's a great yeah. reason to have a kid built in uh, yeah. technical yes. support. 
Yeah. Another great reason I heard to have a kid, something I've learned doing this podcast is that a lot of people tell me their kids think they're very funny. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's a great reason funny. to have a kid. I feel like it's short lived though. Don't they like stop thinking yes. you're funny like mm -hmm. after seven or eight? Yeah. What I've heard is that they think you're really, really funny. Like you can say anything and they think it's hilarious, which yeah. I'm very interested in that situation. And then yeah. I think it just <laughs> falls off a cliff once they stop thinking yeah. you're cool. But then I yeah. think that some can come back from that. You know, like I think as a maybe yeah. teenager or college person, people will be like, oh, my parents are so funny. Or at least I'm putting that out there into the universe. <laughs> no, I could, I could see that. I could see that. It's like they, they think you're hilarious till like they're eight and then mm -hmm. they really think you're the opposite of humor when, <laughs> really you know, nothing like you say is funny yeah yeah then teens and around like 17 18 they pretend like you're not funny but yep. they know deep down they like they're laughing yes, exactly. right right like they, they need to run to their room to actually laugh and they come back out with a serious <laughs> right, face precisely yeah and then like by the time they're 18 it's like you know a random path like maybe they will yes. never think you're funny again or they might you know come wow. back and appreciate your humor so i have one path that i'm hoping that takes at least for me yeah i do have friends who like genuinely think their parents are funny have always thought that and yeah. some of them they're right and then some of them not not so no much. so i don't <laughs> i don't know what happened in those situations humor is in the eye of the beholder i suppose that's true true i think if you like someone you think they're funnier that is true yeah for sure if i there are people who i like them and i'm like oh they're so funny <laughs> yeah yes that is very people who, who you don't like you're like they're not funny at yeah. all nothing they've ever said exactly is funny. exactly is there anything that your family did growing up that you thought at the time was normal but then later realized was very strange or unusual that's a great question so a bunch of things come to mind one when I was a kid growing up, we never used our dishwasher to wash dishes. We used really? it to dry dishes. It was like a drying rack. Yeah. Oh my God. So like you wash the dish and then you put it in the dishwasher and then like, okay. you, know, like you kind of keep it open so that it could dry out. Yeah. You know, it's not until I was an adult and started living on my own where I was like, oh, a dishwasher washes your dishes. Yes. Kind of like a thing I probably knew deep down inside, yes. obviously, because yes. there's buttons, there's controls, there's compartments yep. and all that stuff. But I just never really questioned the practice. Like if my mom said, go wash the dishes, it meant physically wash the dishes and then yep. put them in the dishwasher to dry, right? Yep. So that was just like one weird thing for sure. Wow. Wait, I have a question. <laughs> Did you yeah. turn the dishwasher on the dry setting? No. So the dishwasher never went on? No never went on. Was it capable of turning on? Was this a functioning appliance? <laughs> I'm assuming so. We no way to know for sure, but I, I think it, I think it would have worked. Okay, yeah. Okay. And did your parents ever at any time, like explain this or give you any context on why they don't run the dishwasher? No, I just remember one day, like saw them put it in the dishwasher and I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then wow. when I came of age to wash dishes, <laughs> it's what I did as your well. Your big coming of age story, realizing <laughs> da, 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 the dishwasher is used for washing dishes. Yeah, but but the, the crazy reality is that I still use dishwashers for that. <gasps> really? Yeah. So I'm wow. I it just I just hit me this morning. I washed dishes and where are they? They are in the dishwasher drying. And it's not closed. Like wow. I keep it open. It's like, you know, okay. air circulates and all that. Sure. But I do occasionally run it. Like I might run it like okay. once a month, like if it's just a bunch of dishes, but I always skew towards still hand washing and mm. putting it in the dishwasher to dry, to just like wow. sit there. Wow. Wow. 
Okay. Well, you know, one thing is, so you live in New York, you typically in New York Mm -hmm. apartments, you are a little bit limited on space. So I would say if you are going to dry dishes on a drying rack, putting them in the dishwasher is actually really economic for your space. Like that makes a ton of sense to me. It is. I personally enjoy not washing the dishes. I like to delegate (laughs) that task to the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Saves time, emotional energy regular energy. Mm-hmm. Do you think they don't get as clean? I, I think they do. I remember when I first ran the dishwasher, I was pretty skeptical. Because okay. like, I'm like a pretty yeah. thorough cleaner. My dad's a very thorough cleaner. And I think that's mm. where I got it from. Because like, I remember like yeah. cleaning the bathroom and then he would come in and he would like point at something and he'd be like, is that the color that it was when it was purchased? Oh and I'm God. like, no. And he was like, then it's not clean, <laughs> right? So like yeah, when I was a kid, sense. I hated that. I feel like it's so in- ingrained in me now that mm-hmm. I'm like a very thorough cleaner of anything. Yeah. I remember just like sitting there looking at the dishwasher, like how clean is this going to be? You know? Yeah. And when it came out, it, it, it was clean because it's very hot, right? Yeah. The water can get <laughs> hotter in there than I physically yeah. can, can handle with my with my hands. So at that point, I'm like, okay, okay, I, I trust this thing. But I only use it when like things are crazy or like I just really don't have the energy or time. But it, it is weird. When I was a kid, I hated washing dishes and now I almost like it. I just like yeah, the, the routine of it. It just feels almost therapeutic and like talk yes. to a friend or like yeah. listen to music or whatever. So, yeah. I totally relate to that. Interestingly, I find the sound of the dishwasher running to be really soothing. In San Francisco, yeah. <laughs> I had a studio apartment. So of course you can yeah. have the dishwasher in the bedroom slash living room slash office. And I loved having the dishwasher on. It just like filled the whole apartment with this wonderfully mm-hmm. soothing, like rhythmic noise. My theory is yeah. that <laughs> it's like being in the womb. <laughs> that's my theory. That's funny. Is that, that's, that's pretty why funny. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. My point is that's another use for your dishwasher. If you want to recreate the experience of being in the womb, the dishwasher is there for you. (laughs) A multi-use appliance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So is there a fad that you look back on participating in that makes you now a little cringy? That could be fashion, workout, anything cultural. I know there was this time where it was really, really cool to wear like super baggy jeans, especially by like the feet. um, Oh, baggy at the feet. Really? Yeah. Well, like, um, like jeans that were either like straight cuts or like boot cuts, right? So like a oh, flare, yeah. just a little, not not like a crazy flare, but yeah, the, not um, a full bell bottom. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But like the the end is like wider than like the <laughs> knee or whatever. What did you think of that fat trend at the time? Like at the time, I thought to wear anything else is to not be cool. You know? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I wore them, and I obviously I don't have any of them anymore. But I occasionally come across pictures. With them, it's always funny when you look at a photo of yourself that's like old and you can see the confidence in your face. It's like, (laughs) I am cool, right? And you're looking at that photo and you're like, no, you are not, you know? And then like, (laughs) you have to transport back to the time and context is key. Like 2000, that actually was pretty cool, you know? It's really interesting because like fashion today is the polar opposite, right? You want Mm. your jeans to like slim you or like, you know, to be narrow. What's crazy is I can't picture myself ever not doing that for the rest of my life but then i'm like but i'm pretty sure in 2000 i never pictured myself ever doing anything other than what i did at the time totally right so that's just like one thing that that's pretty funny i think another is um especially like in maryland hair fashion it was like a thing to like get a part in your hair right so like if you get like a low haircut like you might get like one or two lines in the side or something and yeah. I used to do that. Like, I remember I started with one and one then one time I had start. two <gasps> and then I had three lines at a point. Three lines. Wait, question for you on just one side or on both sides? So only one time did I have three on both sides. 
three on both sides is a commitment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I would never do it again. Like, I know I would never do it again mm -hmm. because like one, I don't like the style anymore. Sure. Uh, two, it's a style that only looks, you know, subjectively good for a few days because once your hair starts growing totally. back in it doesn't look cool right so it's just funny to like think back yeah there was a time where jared's like yeah dude cut three lines of the side yeah, of my head three. you know so yeah you wouldn't do that today you don't think i wouldn't i actually remember i was at a, my barber like last year and he jokingly asked me at the end he's like do you want to part he had no context on anything with my That's childhood awesome. he was just asking as a joke and i'm like dude don't, don't get me started <laughs> Once I start, I can't stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so slippery yeah, slope we'll to three to lines six. on each side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For a year in high school, I actually had a pixie cut. Yeah. Really short. For, for really, one really year. Why, why only one year? I cut it really short because a stylist recommended it and I thought it would be really fun. And I was, mm -hmm. she was right. I was right. I was 16. It was fun. <laughs> And I yeah. still wouldn't do it again, but I'm really glad that I did it at the time because it was just such a different experience to go through the world yeah. with short hair versus yes. really long. Now I have really long, like notably long yeah. witch hair. And it's way different <laughs> yeah. than my little pixie cut when I was 16 yeah. and worked at a candy store. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a yeah. great cop. Yeah. <laughs> It was a moment, but I'm really yeah. glad I did it and I wouldn't do it again. It had its moment. I say that and then who knows? 15 years from now, mm -hmm. you could be rocking some serious boot cut jeans and I could go back to a yep. pixie cut. We really don't know. Yep. Yep. We will see. We and will we'll see. be like, oh, we were so dumb to wear such tight jeans and have such exactly. long hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fashion is strange that way. We will see. I wouldn't be surprised. Me neither. Jared, what's the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? Like something really inconsequential that you would totally go to bat for. Runny egg yolk. Pro or anti? Anti. Mm. Just can't. can't. I can't do, do it. it. It's just not like, why? I mm. get it, but you know, mm -hmm. I don't. When I moved to San Francisco, there were two things I didn't like. Yeah. Avocados and runny egg yolk. Oh, wow. Oh, so brunch was very fraught for you. Yes. Yeah. Brunch was very limited. It was just toast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the bread, ma'am. <laughs> Yeah, everything else is that. And I just I just couldn't. Eventually I got over avocados and I actually grew to like love them and then really, really love them. And then I feel like as of like six months ago, I'm now allergic to them. <gasps> maybe you had too many. I, I don't know. Like maybe I had too many. Maybe it's like a geography thing where like I mm -hmm. technically would never have eaten East Coast avocados because I never ate avocados when I lived on the East Coast. Oh my God. So I don't wow. know if my body's going through some shock or whatever, but I'm now allergic to them. But on the runny egg yolk side, yeah. I just never. Like in the nearly decade I lived in San Francisco, I actually tried. You tried, I remember yeah. going to this Japanese restaurant where they have udon and they mixed mm. in the egg yolk, right? Yeah. I couldn't look at it. So like <gasps> when they would do it, literally my friends would see me, I would physically have to turn my head. The the person would mix it in and then yeah. like bring it and then I could eat it. But if I saw them do it, yeah. I just no, couldn't no go with me, you know? So if I'm at a brunch and like people want to do like a shared dish, which we'll mm. see if we ever do that again. I know, right? If they're putting an egg yolk in that, I'm out. You're out. Can't eat it. Yeah. Nope. Hmm. Hmm. So does that mean that there are certain brunch dishes that are just totally off limits for you? I'm thinking like a poached egg, it's going to be really hard for them to get that yolk all the way through. Yes. Not eating it. No. So no eggs Benedict, no eggs Florentine. No, no none of nope. that. And they all have these creative names, Florentine, <laughs> Benedict, you know, like just when I'm looking at the menu, I just look for the very fancy names and I'm like, does that have egg yolk? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. A hundred percent. Poached is going to be a, a problem for you. How do you yeah. usually order eggs then? Scrambled? Scrambled. That's pretty 
safe. Yeah, I can eat scrambled eggs. I can eat hard-boiled eggs. I, in fact, I eat both of those paths or whatever often. Um, <laughs> You're but, such a designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of those paths. <laughs> yeah, like what's the what's the word? <laughs> what's the normal? You've been English way to say that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But uh, runny can't do it. Like those mm. Instagram posts where it's like food porn and yeah. then they like poke it. I'm like, oh my God, oh. no. You know? I don't mind a slightly runny egg yolk, but I don't like when it's cold. If the mm. yolk is Ooh, cold, yeah. we've really gone awry here, folks. Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. I know. It's really bad. You know what is interesting though? I really hate hard boiled eggs with a passion. Yeah. Why? Oh, because, oh, I just the idea of it. It's like a little plastic toy. And you want me to put that in my mouth? (laughs) Yeah. It's like a super bounce ball you get out of a vending machine. And they're like, here's protein. And I'm like, absolutely not. I see what you mean. When they sell them, like in those little, like, oh my God. I'm like, that just hate, hate, hate. That that doesn't look cool. Awful. Awful. Well, you know what I really can't stand, which is this is controversial, but I have a real problem with sous vide cooking. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had anything cooked sous vide? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. I I know that this is like a controversial take, but I just can't handle the fact that we are putting things in a freaking Ziploc bag, dunking it mm-hmm. in water, and then we're like, ah, elegance. I'm like, <laughs> absolutely not. I can't handle That's it. Meat? I... Meat in a bag? Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. it's sous vide. I'm like, it's meat in a bag. <laughs> like, don't. <laughs> I was not born yesterday, folks. That is that is pretty funny. Could you tell if someone didn't tell you and you ate it? Probably not because I, you know, especially with meat, you can like sear it after. And I think that takes Mm -hmm. away some of the meat in a bag quality, but Mm -hmm. something like Starbucks with these sous vide egg bites, get out of here. Not for me. Not for me. At least lie to me. Don't tell me if you're going to put the egg in a freaking plastic bag and water and that's how you're cooking it. Lie to me. I agree. So thank you. Great. Well, I'm glad that we're aligned (laughs) on this. You know, we couldn't reach total alignment on the egg yolk since I do like that. I'm I'm glad that you've joined me in my crusade against the bag of meat situation. Even the name bag of meat. It's ridiculous. And I can't believe it's called sous vide. Like, of course, we were just like, let's call it French. And then people will really like it. (laughs) This is one of my tiniest hills, I think, is my opposition to sous vide cooking. Because I also, by the way, I mean, this is my podcast. I ask that question all the time. When I think about my answer to that question, I also struggle to find something because I'm like, ah, I am a diplomat. You know, I am. Yeah. Mm, I don't until, until he gets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Until something like that comes up. Most people definitely will have a food hill. Mm-hmm. Food is a very common hill. Jared, what is something non-work related that you're really proud of? I'm not able to do it as much now, but I got really into playing pool. Oh, yeah. And this started, it's 2021. So this started like in, I think like 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. So some buddies of mine were like pretty into it. They would play it a lot at work and played a mm-hmm. lot at like, you know, San Francisco bars and all that. Um, yeah. So I started tagging along because it was always a game that I was interested in. Like I just liked sure. the mechanics of it. I liked the focus of it. Like it's one of those things where when you're playing it, if you're actively playing it, you can't really think about anything else. It's actually a very, very great contrast mm-hmm. uh, from work. Eventually I joined a uh, pool league. So really? Yeah. So there are two for the US, but the more popular one is called the um, APA. So American Pool Association. And it's national 
you have levels. So I think you go from like a level one all the way to like a level seven. And like a level seven is effectively like almost like a junior to mid professional pool player, right? Like someone who can like play hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars at like, you know, international contests. So, and then when you start off, you typically start off around like a two or three, because like one is basically, can you hit the ball, you know? So I got into it and, you know, eventually I tapped out at around like a level five before I stopped. Wow. That seems really high. Congrats. Thank you. The the higher the level you are, the harder it is and the longer it takes to get to the next level. So like to get from four to five, much faster and easier than getting from five to six and like nearly impossible to get from six to seven. I think like in California, there were like fewer than 10 people in the state who were at level seven. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. But you can compete and there's like tournaments and all that stuff. So I remember in, I think it was 2018 or 2019, our team actually made it to uh, the tournament that we eventually failed out of. Had we won that one, the next one would have been in Vegas for like the national thing. They call it international, but it's predominantly US and Canada. Sure. But that was just like incredible. And I remember that day, like it was like a weekend, like a two day thing. Mm -hmm. And like we were going from different bars because they had like this like bracket system and you would have to like go to different places to play. That's so fun. Because a lot of the bars in SF are like actually associated with the APA. Like if you know to look for it, then by the pool table, you'll typically see a plaque that says that they're associated with APA. I just remember like on Friday, I was at work and I knew that the next day I I had this like two day APA tournament and like, you know, I have my own pool cue and like my own glove and all that stuff. And like we're going and we're competing and we're doing good. And eventually we lose, I think at like the second to last match to win that entire Uh. tournament. But like, we felt so proud, right? You should, Like we got yes. like trophies and plaques for like the level that we got to. We took this That's photo awesome. and it was just like this moment of pride for me where it's like, wow, I, I learned a thing. I developed at a thing. Yes. I accomplished some level of excellence at this thing yeah. that has nothing to do with tech, right? I and even on my that. team, it was two or three of us were in tech and then the rest of us were like in like the service industry or like, you know, mm. medicine or law. It was just, it was great. It was really fun. Wow. That is so cool. That is awesome. Congrats to you on that. I also really love pool, but I've only ever really played at bars. So I too don't think I've played pool in in eternity now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to play pool at least, I don't know, like five hours at a minimum per week. Wow. How did you decide that that was going to be the extracurricular? It just really grew on me. Like I Mm. love watching YouTube videos. It's like my thing. Like I probably watch more YouTube than TV. And well, no, I for sure do. And yeah, I remember there was this period of time for a few years where like probably half my content viewing was pool related. Really? Just really focusing on like my mechanics. Mm-hmm. And especially when I started moving up in levels, I realized that like the thing that got me from one level to the next actually had less to do with learning a new skill and mm-hmm. more to do with mastering my mentality of play, oh, right? Like, totally. how do you totally. like stay in the zone? How do you like not let one bad hit determine the rest of your gameplay so for the night? Stuff like yeah. that, right? And like, I could feel it transfer to work. So I guess like it ended up being that thing where I genuinely liked the thing. And then yeah. in service of getting better at it, I found that it was helping me get better at other aspects of life, you know? I do know. That's actually how I would describe me getting into improv comedy because it was something where I spent a lot of time on it outside of work, outside of my day job in tech. Hmm. And then I formed a team with some friends who similarly, not everyone was in tech. So it was this nice way to meet people outside of that community. And then we submitted to SF Sketchfest, which is a big deal comedy festival. And the first year we didn't get in, but then the second year we did. And it felt so good. 
How long ago was that? We performed in Sketchfest January of 2020. So right before the world shut down. Yeah. Yes. So we got it that's, in right that's under cool the wire. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. So, and then did that end up being um, like inspiration for a lot of the work you're doing now? I was doing a lot of it alongside that. That was a way mm-hmm. to be with people. A lot of the comedy stuff that I do is me alone. So being yeah. with people is very, very fun. It's a team sport. Yes. Improv is a total team sport, which I love. I learned about that institution, I think like in 2017, mm-hmm. like we just happened upon an improv night, like me and a buddy of mine. And like, I just loved it. And I, yes. I, I loved hearing where the people who were doing it were coming from professionally. So like hearing you, like, mm-hmm. you know, working in tech, like discovering this passion, like going, I, oh, I love stuff like that. That's cool. So fun. Jared, who would play you in a movie about your life? And follow up question. Should this mm-hmm. be a biopic start to current or should it be focused in on a specific period of time? What would make the best movie? I have landed on Will Smith. For yes. two reasons. Amazing. We are, um, I already love Will Smith, so this is great. Yeah. So one is because I remember I've had two dentists on separate occasions tell me I remind them of Will Smith. <laughs> Wait, two different dentists? Yeah, yeah. Two different dentists, <laughs> different states, opposite sides of the country, um, oh arrive at the same conclusion. Uh, one of them was just like, I think you look like him. And then the other one, I think she just had a big crush on him. And it was her way of... <laughs> telling me it was very interesting route yeah but you know i accept it there's that which is like you know if people saw will smith maybe if they are a good sample size maybe they're Mm -hmm. like i I could yeah i could see how you know he was the person chosen and then the other thing which is more personal to me is i am in no way comparing myself to him he's an incredibly Mm -hmm. accomplished person but one thing that i would say that i feel has some like continuity it well not relates is um eclecticness like i like Mm. how will doesn't put himself in a box he doesn't allow himself to be put in a box Mm. of like i am just an actor or i am just a comedic actor right like Mm -hmm. i've seen him do comedy i've seen him do sitcoms i've seen him do very serious roles he's also done music right and like for me personally i have never liked being boxed into anything right Mm -hmm. like i didn't like being the tech person even now my functional role is that of a design leader but mm. I really think of myself more as just a professional who leverages design to benefit mm. people and businesses, mm-hmm. right? But like yeah. I can leverage a bunch of other things as well, right? Totally. So just that element of like eclecticness, interest in other disciplines, interest in other fields, and not liking to be boxed in, like yeah. is is what I resonate with. So like that plus like my dentists makes me say <laughs> <stay> well. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that it's something, is it smile or teeth related? Have other people said that you look like Will Smith other than dentists? <laughs> my mom has, but she, she did that in reaction to me telling her my dentist said so. So she was proud. Okay. So I don't know okay. if she would have arrived at that conclusion on her own. Got it. Other people have, but the dentists definitely stand out because one of them was like pretty persistent. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. No, you really look like Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. and she's like, no, 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 you do. Almost as if like, you, you don't know what you look like. I'm telling you. Right. What you no, like, let you, know? you really yeah. look like him. Wow. That's yeah. great. Well, hopefully yeah. he's available for this film. Cause I think that that would be an excellent choice yeah. personally. And are we going Study. with a biopic or are we honing in on a specific era? I think biopic mainly because I think that's where we will. I feel like I'm writing the movie. I love it. Let's write it. Yeah, where people can really see his acting skill at play. Mm. Because if it is a biopic, then you will see my story go through different 
boxes that people wanted to put me into, you know, and yes. then like you would see him playing through those different boxes and like you yeah. would see the eclectic nature of him emerge through like how he moves okay. from one to Love another. That. So for that very reason, mm. biopic would be the thing that communicates that as opposed to if we honed in on a very specific part of my life, then like you might easily classify me as like totally. whatever that, that period is. Great. Wow. This is going to be a great movie. I'm excited. What genre do you think this is going to be? Because <laughs> he has such range, um, right? So we need yes. maybe dramedy. I don't know. What are you feeling? I could actually see it being a dramedy because yeah. if it's reflecting my life, I definitely go through, I have serious times of my day mm-hmm. and then very fun, not serious parts of my day, you know? Good. So if someone just knows me from nine to five, I'm a pretty stoic diplomatic person. And if someone knows me from like, you know, six to, to 12, 12 a.m., I'm not that. Like, I'm <laughs> still diplomatic, hour. but I'm like very, you know, I'm yeah. the humor and all that stuff comes out. So like, I feel like the humor and the comedy elements would come out like in the the evening scenes and stuff. In our evening scenes. That's great. I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Okay, Jared, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Oh. You're nervous? Why? I feel like I have to say something funny. You the really don't. <laughs> okay, if I told you that this episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by a company called Main Street, what would you think that they did? <laughs> what do I think Main Street would do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime I hear something with street, I'm thinking like Wall Street or finance Ooh. or something. Mom and pop businesses. The town I live in has a Main Street. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's MainStreet.com if that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's better than (laughs) BackAlley.com. Do you want to know what they do? I do, desperately. So Main Street helps venture-backed startups uncover tax credits they've never heard of in 20 minutes. That's incredible. Oh, so I was right with the finance thing. Oh my God, I see their ads on Twitter. How is anyone supposed to know where these tax credits are? A lot of the credits that they uncover are actually kind of obscure and not well-known by most CPAs. So even if you like have a CPA, it's still good to use Main Street. I have a call right after this with our head of BizOps. In all seriousness, if you're about to talk to your BizOps person, you should DM them the link. MainStreet.com slash Yes. Ooh. I'm going to it right now. Can you hear my keyboard? You should. It's I, If I had a startup, I would use them immediately. It seems like a no-brainer. And we're back with Jared Arondu, the head of design at Lattice. Jared, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in the episode of Non-Technical, which is the lightning round. Are you ready? I am ready. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. First question for you. Coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. What kind of tea? Yeah. Uh, any tea, like, but especially black or green, like sure. coffee, one cup of yeah. coffee will yep. nearly kill me. Two will <gasps> kill me. So I oh need Oh my tea. God. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. We don't want you to die because yeah. we still- yeah. <laughs> we got a lot to do yet. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. iOS or Android? iOS. Okay. Forever and always? Ooh, maybe not, not necessarily, but you mm-hmm. know, unless Apple does some pretty dumb stuff, maybe. Yeah. We're going to have to find out. When you make the bed, do you use a top sheet? Yes, I do. Have you always? Was that something your family did? Uh, It wasn't. So growing up, I don't think so. Yeah, growing up, I don't think we did. But when I learned about it, I think my parents did for their bed, but not for my bed. Oh, (laughs) no top sheet for you. Yeah, like I knew what it was. And then like now as I'm an adult, I'm like, well, I'm an adult, so I'm going to have a top sheet. Love that. Yes, absolutely. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes. What book? Good strategy, bad strategy. I read it every year. Really? Annually? An annual read? Very cool. Do you have a pump up song? Yes, I have. I have a bunch. One of them is nonstop from Drake. Like, I just love the beat. 
And like, yeah. it can get me going about anything. Yeah. Like if I'm about to work out or if I'm trying to psych myself into like, like focus, like zone mode. <laughs> I do that like, too. That's yes. definitely one of my songs. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, he doesn't say a lot of words. Okay? Mm-hmm. I need some words. Because yeah. I need the intonation to like get me going, but I don't want him over talking where I can't focus on what I'm trying to do. So it's 100%. perfect. That's yeah. the perfect combination. I'm going to yeah. have to check that out. Jared, my last question for you is what would you title your memoir? Ooh. Was there a famous book recently called Becoming? I feel like there was. Yes, I think it was Michelle Obama's. Michelle's book? Dang it. Okay. Are you and Michelle on a first name basis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I just oh, said Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find something synonymous with like never arriving at a destination, mm. never cementing myself as one kind of person, I but always kind that. of like evolving. So maybe evolving. If she's taken evolving. becoming, I'll take evolving. I do think our close personal friend, Michelle took becoming, but evolving is a great title. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Excited on bookshelves near you coming soon. I'm sure. Jared, thank you so much for joining me on non-technical today. This, yeah, this is so much fun. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, having me on and, and chatting with me. This is great. Oh my God. The pleasure was all mine. Where can people find more about you on the internet? Yeah. So I'm on the socials. <laughs> I'm thankfully the same username <laughs> on everything. So I'm at Arandu, my last name on Twitter, on Instagram. It's also my website, Arandu.com. But I think I'm most active on Twitter. I'm not as active as I used to be, but it's the place sure. where I will occasionally share my thoughts on like design or or like yeah. pandas. I'm really into pandas as well. Design or pandas. See, like I said, that's yeah. the thing I liked about your Twitter. I was like, I'm learning about design and other things too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. Jared, once again, thank you for spending your time with us today. It was such a treat to get to know you and I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you. Thank you. You too. 